to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast. We're car casting. Woo! Doug Christie blowing out our microphones. That's right. Yelling and screaming. Uh, we are on the Bay Bridge. Me and Doug are coming out of the uh, the studio after the Sacramento Kings defeated the Chicago Bulls on Friday evening. Yes, sir. Uh, quality win against a very bad team. Uh, not not exactly the pull away barn burner that we might have expected. Uh, the Kings were facing a team that had played the night before in Denver. Ish. And then had to fly home, and the Kings, uh, they come away with a one-point win. What, Doug, what was the final? 107-106? Uh, yes, sir. 107-106. And for all the gamblers out there, a little bit upset with that last three-pointer because the Bulls, oh. uh, it was one and a half, I believe it was. And that will do it. Yeah. Uh, actually, when I did it, the the pregame this morning, the Kings were favored by one. Uh-huh. So is that a... I think it went, uh, listen to those guys in there, I think it was one and a half, so everybody that, I don't know how that works exactly, but I was listening, and I think a lot of people are upset, Ham. Yeah, anyone who bet on the Kings lost. Yes, sir. Wow, that is absolutely shocking. Um, You know what? Zebo put his old man shoes on and just, you know, killed killed the Bulls. Uh, Bogdanovich had a career night, which was good to see. He's... He's building and growing, although what did he miss? Three free throws in the final 30 seconds? I'm going to have to talk to Bogey about that. Shooting bogeys. Yeah, that He usually shoots birdies from the free throw line. Yeah, that was not good. He had an opportunity to ice the game, and he left the door a little bit open, although the Kings were up by four. Um, and, and so that last three-pointer, it, you know, it hurt the gamblers, but that was about it. Um, but, Doug, the Kings are – are two and two over the last four since last week's podcast. What? And, you know, they've got wins over the Golden State Warriors, which no one saw coming. Right. They've got a win over the Chicago Bulls. Yep. They've got a narrow defeat to the Los Angeles Clippers. By two, yes. Yeah, and that one could have gone either way. Right. And that was that was Buddy Hill game, if I'm not mistaken, right? That is uh, correct. Yeah, and then... They have this horrific blowout loss, well, 25-point loss on your home floor to the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, which felt a lot worse than it was. Right. Um, I don't. How do you assess a week like that where a young team is having some ups and downs, but realistically, they could have been three three and one on the week, and they also, you know, things could have been worse. I guess if you would have got shocked here by the Bulls, but not so bad. 
Yeah, I, I think that you look at the optimism of your coach Jaeger and you explain it the way that you did. We could be three and one. And then you also take this uh, in the pregame when we were talking. I said this is, you know, the, that kind of show me that redemption trip when you're looking at different situations. And now tomorrow night you face a Milwaukee team that you're facing again on the back-to-back. As unfortunate as, as that is, they are waiting for you. But that taste of blood should be in your mouth because not and not only let's let's put this out there for those that know the Blazers are, are a pretty good team they went down the the Bucks and went down and smacked the Blazers before they went home and they were up 20 plus in the uh, fourth quarter so uh, this is a good Bucks team and yeah I would look at this situation with some optimism now you didn't necessarily come out and play 48 minutes the way that you won in the Bulls game you uh, ran into a bad quarter in the Clippers game so there's been some things in there but there's some positives as well that you can build upon yeah and if you really do look at what uh, Dave Yeager did here in this Bulls game is he didn't play Buddy Hill a lot of minutes um, he avoided a couple other players where he didn't play them extended extended minutes but it looks like that's because that this team has to play again tomorrow and yeah. you're going to run back out there yeah that that could be well said there, Ham, because when you look at Buddy Hield, only seven minutes, uh, zeros across the board, uh, Frank Mason, 16 minutes. But I, I will say this, uh, and also Scow, only 15 minutes. This is a young team. Now, when you talk about Zebo logging 32 minutes and Garrett Temple, 37, you know, maybe you're looking at resting them a little bit and playing some of the youth. Um, you mentioned actually the ability maybe to play Jakar Sampson uh, against the Greek Freak. So there's going to be some options for Coach Yeager, but also the youth learning how to play 26, 27 minutes and come back on a back-to-back and play at an extremely high level because it will be required tomorrow in Milwaukee. Yeah, the Kings haven't won on the second night of a back-to-back yet this season, I believe. I think they're 0-4. You are correct. And last season, they started the same way. They lost a bunch of games in the second night of a back-to-back. Just unfortunately for the Kings, last season, they had back-to-backs all the time. Yeah. Um, It was brutal. The early season, they had just one back-to-back after another. I think it's really interesting, too. I've never seen a team play the same team twice in one week both times on the second night of a back-to-back like what the Kings have with Milwaukee and I mean I guess you're lucky that this isn't a conference game if you were a playoff team yeah because it could actually have some pretty pretty big implications Um, of course the Kings probably aren't a playoff team they improved to 7 and 15 on the season they're playing better than I thought they look and kind of feel like a team that's growing and I like that uh, you brought up Jakar Sampson. Jakar Sampson and Jack Cooley are up with the parent club. Uh, they, they're they on the four-game road trip, at least it seems like. Again, it's a weird road trip where the Kings will go home right in the middle of the trip. Um, but how much can you – when you look at Jakar Sampson and you look at Jack Cooley, do they fit what the Kings are trying to do right now? Do, do you like I, – I, for me, I think they're role players, of course – Yes. But I think they're very specific role players for things that the Kings lack. I mean, I the Kings need a Jack Cooley or a Jack Cooley type next season. They need a bruiser in the paint, and they need a big four that can play the three or the four like Jakar Sampson has some athleticism. So when you go up against a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo or, I mean, they're going to face 
LeBron James on this trip. Uh, I, I like that they have these guys here. Yeah, you know, I, I like the, the nasty that you're going to see out of Cooley. I mean, he's going to get after it. He's going to bang. He's going to do all those things, the little things, hard picks, those type of things. Jakar Sampson has some nasty in him as well. He'd get after it. And the, whether those are the guys that you really want to go forward with or you identified that you need that and now you have to upgrade in those particular positions, I, I think that it probably helps to practice a lot of different things, not to mentioned being happy for those guys that they've made two-way contracts and continue to find themselves in positions where they can show not only the Kings but they can show other teams hopefully that they deserve to be in the league yeah you know what I think that's a good point and we talked about this before you and I Doug but Jack Cooley I mean you have to be happy for both him and Jakar Sampson because the second that they stepped on the floor for one game this season which uh, I, both of them have played at least one game this season it triggers another year of NBA experience when it comes to retirement and, and things like that because the NBA, you, you do get a retirement, and it's based off of how many years you played in the league, and that can be one game, and it triggers. And so that's a cool thing. Jack, uh, Jack Cooley now has two official years in the league, and I think uh, I think Jokar Sampson has more than that. I think he's up to three or four years in the league. I think four years you're fully vested in the league through their retirement program so this is a it, it's good it's good to see these guys now what do you make of of Justin Jackson and Malachi Richardson going to Reno are you okay with this I, I think that it's absolutely positive because now they are getting to practice the practice is limited but they, there are things that in practice that they're learning and different stuff that they, they might not get to try on NBA court, obviously because they're not getting the minutes, but also because that's the big stage where you want to go up to Reno. You want to show your wares. You want to show. They should both be able to go up there and put up the type of numbers that say, and this is what Malachi did last year, the numbers say, I don't belong here. So now you figure out, okay, this is a player that needs to be down with it with the parent team and needs to get and have some minutes so uh, I think it's really good they're going to get all the shots they want they're going to get all the minutes they want and it, it's that flow and that swagger and that confidence that needs to continue to be built so if this happens periodically through the season uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing I think it's something that hopefully they embrace it and they go dominate and then they come back and they will in my opinion again uh, hand get opportunities on the parent club to go out and play. I mean, uh, Justin Jackson was starting at the beginning of the season. Malachi has seen some valuable minutes, so that will happen again, I would think. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, what I like is that the Kings have built synergy between the parent club and the G League squad up in Reno. Uh, Derek Martin spends training camp in Sacramento. He's learning their system. He knows exactly what they're looking for. Uh, just so people know, we are... Let's see. We're in Richmond, California, uh, as we drive Richmond. In uh, and we need to stop at the bathroom, by the way. In the roller. Okay. Oh, Come on, man. man. Come on now. Come you know, on. you know, I'm stopping at Taco Bell tonight, Doug. I already warned you. Oh man. We're hitting the Taco Bell on the way Too home. Too much water, man. There it is. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I I like that that you have this option to send these guys up. And I know some people are like, look, why aren't they just playing them? It's like, well, because they have too many players mm -hmm. that need minutes. And you could say, well, why are you giving Vince Carter minutes? Or why don't you take some minutes from George Hill or Zebo? And 
I think, you know, this team is, they're 7-15. and 15. It's not like they're the Chicago Bulls who are now 3-18 and 18 on the season and everything is over and you're not playing for anything. I, the Kings aren't playing for a playoff spot, but what they are trying to do is build something for the future, which includes building a winning culture. Yes. And a winning culture requires some sort of winning. I mean, we've seen yeah. this team lose seven in a row already this season. Yeah. I don't want to see that again. And I think both Justin Jackson and Malachi Richardson, they need to get stronger. They need to get more consistent. They need to work on their game, especially defensively. And I think they need their confidence. So when you are ready to play them minutes, you, you drop them in and you know that they can produce uh, in a way that you're, you're seeing Bogdan Bogdanovich produce or you're seeing... Uh, you know, to a lesser extent, Scal or or De'Aaron, they're having moments where they're they are producing, and other moments where they aren't. This just gives them that opportunity to get sort of their sea legs and some confidence back. Yeah, it's. I think it's really going to be good for them. Uh, the the fact that you're going to be able, first of all, up in the G League, that is, it's a fast-paced game, so they're going to be moving around. You know, they're going to get their conditioning, so they're going to be able to stay in shape. But at the same time, they're going to get up a massive amount of reps, meaning that now you got two wings flanking that are NBA caliber players, and they should make a good run. On top of the fact that I believe Papianis is up there as well, so uh, he continues to get all types of good stuff because he's playing against smaller, quicker guys, and if he's going to be able to compete ultimately at the NBA level, he's going to need to continue to get that as well. Yeah, and I like that they have Yorgos up there so they can actually get to see a little bit of Malachi, a little bit of Justin Jackson with with Papayanis. Let because Papayanis needs to play with some NBA caliber players as well. Yeah. And you know they have David Stockton there, which David Stockton is a legitimate G League point guard that can do a lot of good things. He can set these guys up, and they know what the what the plan is. They know the plan is to bring these young players along to get them reps, to get them healthy, to get them you know, stronger, and to have them work on their game. So you're not going to see a lot of you know, hero ball from the guys that are up there. They do understand that this is an opportunity. And, and again, Justin Jackson and, and Malachi Richardson, they're – I think the plan is only for them to be up there for a handful of games mm-hmm. because Reno has, I think, four games in like six nights. And so this was an opportunity to throw them up there and get them a whole bunch of game time in a very short amount of time. Yeah, you know, I, I can remember when I got traded to Toronto and Isaiah Thomas told me, you know, he sat me down immediately and said, hey, look, you, you're going to play, you know, 40 almost 48 minutes a night we're going to put you out there i want you to mess up try not to make the same mistakes twice don't look over at the bench just go out there and play now i was playing at the nba level but the experience was valuable to be able to play through mistakes to be able to get a volume of shots that normally i might not have got when i was playing with the knicks or playing with a better team as this young team coming up so that's kind of the experience that they're getting the ability to be put in situations to to get a lot of minutes and to like you said sea legs get your legs underneath you because that's something that you only get in the game because the pace and the intensity is always different when the ball goes up and the lights come on yeah I think what we're seeing from this team too is just they're trying to cement some of these young players in a role and I, I think this is one of the few games that we've seen uh, Bogdan play 30 minutes uh, he did that in in the Bulls game on Friday night 
and he really responded. He had a career-high 19 points. Again, he missed some shots down the stretch. He missed some, uh, some free throws down the stretch and actually missed a couple of shots down the stretch as well. But the confidence with this young guy is just starting to bubble up. And I think what you're seeing Dave Yeager do is he's seeing that and he's going to him and he's trying to ride ride the hot hand of Bogdan and trying to get him to realize his role with this team and sort of take ownership of it. Yeah, you know, when you say role with the team, but also the ability to succeed at this level. And I, I want to see, I want to say that I saw a quote from Bogdan that said he, now he understands that he's going to be able to even be better in the NBA than he was in Europe. Yes. And that is, that's an awesome mindset to see a young player in because whenever that happens with, uh, and we've seen it happen with Frank Mason Jr. where Coach Yeager sees that all of a sudden they have something going and he rides it for a while because that's how you build that confidence. And you said something earlier, Ham, about a winning culture. And winning culture isn't just winning. It is winning. But you, these veterans allow you to, when, when the young players are playing well and they're mixed with veterans, they allow you to be in ball games. Therefore, you're in winning moments and winning situations and winning defensive plays and winning possessions. And do you win them every time? No, you don't. But that is where the winning culture begins to happen as opposed to, like you said, uh, looking at Chicago, 3-18 and 18, every night. Some nights it's a blow. Most nights it's a blowout. But they're not in many winning situations. Actually, the last two nights they were, and they, they failed both times. But the point is that's part of winning culture as well. Yeah, and, you know, the Bulls, looking at the Bulls, um, the Kings clearly have a talent uh, like a head start on talent over the Bulls, I, mm-hmm. I would say. And the Kings also have some pretty solid veterans to go with their group. So I like what's happening there um, as far as, you know, how the Kings are, are building their squad. Yep. Um, I don't think I mean, it's going to take the Bulls a while because here's the problem when you go fully young and you don't have anyone supporting that. It's that you run into these situations where, you don't have, you know, like what the Kings are doing right now, they're relying on Zebo for very specific things. I yeah. mean, you're able to feed Zebo, yeah. you know, tonight he, he scores 19 points in the first half. You let him take over. And some people could say, well, look, you might be slowing the growth of some younger player. But look, the Kings don't have a younger player that can do what Zebo does even right now. What, like, Scal Labissier, he could do what Zebo does. He might be able to do what Zebo does down the road, maybe, you know, six months from now, maybe next season. But right now, he's not ready to go carry the load like Zebo can. And we were watching him, and he, he did that little flip over the top of somebody. Yeah, yeah. He just has old man game. Yes, I he mean, does. It's like watching some dude at the Y just go at it, and you're like, wow, look at that dude. He just kills you with his his little flips, his little body moves. Yep. He gets into your chest, bumps you off. And while he makes some mistakes and he, is, he isn't the player he used to be, I think he's still a serviceable player that can help this team. You just have to put him in the right situation. 
Yeah, and, and that's what I was saying earlier. The right situation is the ability to be in winning situations. So can is he maybe taking reps of scoring away from a young player? Yes, he is. But if the mixture produces the ability to be in winning situations, the young player still gets a, a vital piece of learning by being in those winning situations. And another player we continue to talk about, and, and you got to give credit to, is uh, Willie Colley-Stein. I continue to see him grow passes, different things like that. There's so many splashes of talent that it's almost too much, meaning that you got to focus in and lock in on something. But his ability to block shots, Bogdan and Willie's uh, synergy together seems to be growing and just good pieces. But it, it, it's still a work in progress. But I like them being in situations where they have the opportunity to, to win or I won't say fail, but not win. And whether it goes good or not, you should learn something from those situations. All right. We are almost to Hercules on Highway Hercules, 80. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Um, yeah, random. Doug and I <laughs> quoting what was it, the Nutty Professor? That was right. That's right. Hey, That's I, right. I, I see you, man. There you know is. your movies. That's right. So I, uh, I guess the question is, are you okay with? You, you talked a little bit about Zebo taking opportunities, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think. These other young players, the young players, they are getting some opportunities. I think Dave Yeager has been very tentative to put to put Scalabissier out there and and let him just truly fail in a game. Right. He he's giving him you know seven minutes here, eight minutes there, and then he's going away from him. Uh huh. Is that is that a way that you feel comfortable with him bringing him along, or do you want to see more? Because I got to be honest, I want to see more Scal. Yeah. You know, if. I need Scal to give more at the same time, meaning oh, that, no, I agree. Meaning that yeah. more Scal sometimes means more scoring. And Scal, I, I, I'm not sure about this, but I think Coach Yeager wants Scal to understand that he has the ability to affect the game in a lot of different ways. Uh, that is pick and roll defense. He is so big and long. I mean, he's as big and long as Giannis Antetokounmpo, but it, he doesn't use that length all the time for that benefit, the ability to tip balls on rebounds, grab them with two hands, all those different things. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I want to see more scowl as well, but I, I see that there's a delicate way that Coach Yeager is trying to do it. Yeah, and, you know, Yeager continues to go to a, a two-big bench, which I think is is something that, um, I, I mean, you want to see Costa Kufas get some minutes. I, I fully agree with that because I think Costa's deserve he deserves the minutes he's earned the minutes he's worked hard. Um, you can't really take minutes away from Willie because Willie has played so incredibly well. Um, and, and what you talked about little glimmers from him, mm-hmm. his pass to to De'Aaron Fox. Wow, big a, time. Yeah, baseline cut and a dunk late it, in a game. I was gonna say late in a game. So now again, winning situation, and you come through in that situation. That's huge for a young player. Yeah, and, and if you look at that shot um, between him and Bogdanovich, they're starting to amass you know winning shots. You're starting to see. I mean, that was a cut with purpose. We've talked about that with De'Aaron Fox. We actually, we harped on De'Aaron Fox in pregame for not doing things with purpose, for not using his speed. Mm -hmm. And he's not doing it all the time. But watching him cut with purpose, Willie Cauley-Stein takes a double team and hits him on a bounce pass for a finish. 
Yeah. In crunch time, 24.2 seconds remaining, he gave the Kings a, a five-point lead or a four-point lead with that play. Um, I thought the pass was spectacular. I thought the cut was spectacular. I thought the moment was big. Yeah. That's what you need to see more of, these, these moments where guys are having success. And, again, we saw Bogdanovich do it. Uh, where he, he wins a game against Golden State earlier in the week. Uh, he, he goes right at Draymond Green and goes over the top. We saw De'Aaron Fox win a game against Philadelphia. Yep. I mean, I think it's really interesting to see and kind of cool to watch these young players step up in big moments and actually have, you know, uh, what amounts to a moment for them. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, Bogdanovich and his all-around game, especially the passing ability, is something that continues to step out. And the synergy with him and uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, well, when you look at them tonight, Bogdan, four assists, Willie Cauley-Stein, five assists. Between the two of them, nine assists. I think that a, a lot of things rub off on some players and Bogdan's unselfishness, similar to what you see with Lonzo Ball, what they say in Los Angeles is everyone wants to play unselfish because that's the tone. Well, I think a little bit of that tone is being set with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and you see Willie Cauley-Stein. I don't know if that's a career high with five assists from Willie, but if you're going to get five assists from your uh, center slash power forward, boy, oh boy, that's a good number. It is a good number, and you know, a lot of those assists, they're the right play, and that's something that I think Willie hasn't always done the right play. And we're starting to see him grow. And also, the other thing he did in this game is, uh, I'll point out, De'Aaron Fox had four blocks. Uh, yeah. that, that was that beep beep with, uh, was us going across the Carcanus Bridge. Uh, Doug used the fast track. Um, for all of you who commute, I highly suggest <laughs> the, the fast pass uh, gets you across the bridges much quicker. Um, but, yeah, I'm really impressed with some of the little things that I'm seeing from this club. Yeah. And, you know, again, Frank Mason, uh, you, you brought up Frank Mason earlier. I love what Frank Mason III is doing. I think he's he's showing you, like, this is exactly who he was in college. Mm-hmm. And if you were to give him, you know, 30-plus minutes a night, he's probably going to average 16 points and six assists and a, a, a steal and a half. If you were to give him that, if you had to rely on him for that, and I think he's showing every single time he steps on the floor – that there is no moment that's too big for him. And I love seeing it. I mean, I watched Isaiah do this, you know, the the nexus of Isaiah as an NBA player where he, he started going at people and pretty soon he was doing, he was putting up the identical numbers to what he had done in college. And you kept saying, well, he can't be this good. And, or the, that game doesn't usually translate. And he just kept doing it and doing it I don't know that, you know, I'm not going to compare Frank to the ceiling of Isaiah Thomas. I don't think that's there. But I do believe that he's already proven that he's an NBA rotational player and he deserves minutes on the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, when you look at Frank and De'Aaron, I think that uh, organizationally bringing in George Hill was, you know, that buffer to make sure that, first of all, they're 
they have tutelage on the court with a guy like George Hill, but also obviously with the coaching staff. And then there probably is going to be that moment where both of those two, De'Aaron and Frank, garner that consistency that is needed to allow Coach Yeager to trust that if De'Aaron is starting and there is no George Hill, if De'Aaron is starting that and he's not playing particularly well, you can bring Frank Mason in and he's going to handle the business. And then if Frank starts to falter, you can go back to De'Aaron and he's going to handle the business. It's a one-two punch and sometimes even playing them at the same time if you got a dynamic guy like Bogdan who can step out and play point guard from time to time. It's an interesting mix as we watch those guys continue to develop. And I think we're, we're seeing that from them, the defense, the aggressiveness, the, the pushing of the ball. Tonight there was an instance where – uh, De'Aaron got ripped by uh, Dunn. Dunn goes down and scores. De'Aaron comes right back, and he has the guts to pull up on a jumper, knock it down, goes back to the other end, and fouls him. All of that says aggressiveness, says I'm coming back at you, and those are things that I really love to see. Yeah, I think we're seeing little snippets snippets of what can be, uh, and you're also seeing, like, look, the, the Kings have some holes. There's no question they have some holes. And those holes have got to be fixed in the offseason. This team needs a big-time rebounder. This team needs uh, a big big three that can hold his own against, you know, some of the the elite talents. When you say big three, you mean size-wise, like 6'8", 6'9". Yeah, yeah. They need a 6'8", 6'9", small forward that can can hold his own physically against, you know, the guys that the Kings are facing. Um, But... That doesn't mean that they don't have some of the pieces in place because I think we're seeing very quickly that this team does have some of the pieces that you're going to need, um, you know, to take the next step. And I think it's good. Uh, I do think it's a process, and you know, everyone keeps preaching patience with this young team. But again, you could be the Bulls. You could be three and, and eighteen on the season, and looking at this and saying, "Man, we might be lucky." if we win 12, 15 games. Or you can look at the Kings and say, okay, you know what? They're pacing for like 26, 27 wins. And if they were able to, and this is what happens with young teams and teams that are, as you watch them develop, if there was the consistency and sense of urgency and coming out and starting games and the lack of falling asleep in quarters, they could be... You know, twelve. They have twelve wins, maybe ten wins, three, four more wins. I can think of off the top of my head that that it was just the lack of that first Denver, uh, the first time they played Phoenix. The certain wins, when, when, games. When you look back, you know, dang, the Kings could have got that one. The Clippers the other night. These are good. There's three games right there you could put on the left side of the ledger. Just mentality based, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Uh, it's one of those deals where you're going to have to just let this season kind of morph into what it becomes. And, you know, every 20-something games, you're going to want to look at it and say, are they progressing? And in all honesty, I think they're progressing. I mean, what we saw, that seven-game losing streak early in the season, that was painful. It wasn't fun to watch. The three-game road trip where they lost by a combined 91 points, Mm -hmm. that wasn't fun to watch. But then you get into a week where – you know, you you beat the team you're supposed to beat. You beat a team you have no business beating in the Golden State Warriors, whether they're missing players or not, that still is a much better team than you are. Right. You barely lose one against a team that's probably a little bit better than you that has veterans that have been together for a while. And then you get smacked around 
but I'll take two and two. I'll take two and two in a week where uh, oh and three. I mean, one and three was probably a more uh, suitable record for the week, but that's not what happened. You right. played well against some good teams. Uh, you lost one of those games. You won one of them. You're learning. You're having young players step up, and you know we're seeing progress. I think we're seeing progress. Yeah, and and a lot of times you, you understand you go one step forward and you go two steps back. There will still be bumps in the road. There will still be ups and downs. Those are the things. But do you see? This is what I said at the very beginning of the season. Do you see incremental improvements? And that's what you're hoping to see in confidence, in skill, in swagger, in uh, conditioning and strength, all the little things that these young players are going to need to continue to grow. And I think that we're beginning to see those things. They, they're flashes. But now the flashes, instead of the light coming on and going off, even if it comes on and it dims a little, as long as it begins to stay on, and, and, and hopefully at the end it's shining brightly. That's right. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the NBC Sports Kings Insider Podcast on NBCSportsBayArea.com, NBA's, NBCSportsCalifornia.com. Uh, we are about eight miles outside of Fairfield. We gave you a nice little run here. No guests this week. If you look at the Kings schedule, it tells you everything you need to know about why we couldn't possibly get a Kings guest. The team was either back-to-backs or out of town almost the entire week. Um, but shout-out to Garrett Temple going to SAC High this week and doing really good work with uh, young people. He's, he's out working on leadership, trying to bring up uh, a school that they could use a mentor um, and he brought Frank Mason and Harry Giles along with him, which I think is spectacular, teaching the young guys how to give back to the community. Uh, Doug, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, you know what? Go Kings. Oh, he, he snuck it in. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast. For Doug Christie, I am James Ham. We'll see you next week.